Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. So excited to be with you wherever you are listening on Google, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Apple, on iHeart. However you get your podcast, however you're hopefully subscribed to the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Uh, we are so glad that you're with us, as always, for another edition of the GBB Live podcast. Again, I'm Joe Mullinax, the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues, covering the Memphis Grizzlies for SB Nation. And I'm joined at this time, as I always am, or almost always, uh, by my co-host, the associate editor, my right-hand man, so to speak, Mr. Boots on the ground himself, Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you doing, sir? It is a good time to be a Grizzlies fan, a Grizzlies blogger, a Grizzlies media person, whatever. Business is booming. 5-0 and without John Morant, Parker. Boots on the ground. Boots Parker on the ground. Fleming. Marching, baby. Marching. So if, if we're going to keep up GBB comparisons for two weeks in a row, that means I'm like the Garth Brooks of GBB, right? Ooh. Ooh. I kind of like that. Does that make me the George Strait? There we go. I like it. Yes. No, I, I'm doing great. Uh, we... You know, long work day, but I got to ha- host a Spotify green room with you and Sean Coleman and some awesome people over with the uh, Mavericks side of Twitter pr- to preview tomorrow's game and preview just like the long term observations with this team. Obviously, you hop in and hop out just to talk about Desmond Bain, but I literally just pushed that live like right now. So by the time we're done recording, it should be on all the feeds. So, well, there you go. That's exciting. And uh, yes, I did have to hop in and hop out uh, as much as I love Desmond Bain. I literally recorded that part of the Spotify green room from the parking lot of my daughter's daycare. So, you know, for, for full disclosure, I'm a dad on the move. I'm picking up kids. I'm juggling all sorts of things, just like all of us are in this crazy world. That's one of the fun things that makes blogging and, and working as a side hustle for GBB all sorts of fun. Parker obviously can identify with that. And most folks have a side hustle at this stage of the game. So if you're out there hustling, like, like Parker and I, or, if you're just going on a run, a walk, you're reading a book, uh, you're contemplating life, however you're taking in the show, thank you for being here with us. Ways to get in touch with the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. You can follow Parker on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. You can follow the blog that we're both so fortunate to work with and for SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies. And you can follow this podcast at GBB Live. We're very excited to have our guest for this episode with us. Uh, recently announced on Tuesday, I believe, made official uh, the new Grizzlies beat writer, beat reporter for the Commercial Appeal. Good friend of the show, Evan Barnes, has done such a tremendous job covering the Grizzlies in the interim, but he has literally been doing two beats. I have no idea how he did it. I don't think he slept. He would go from Tigers football press conference to Memphis Grizzlies press conference. He did an awesome job doing both. I'm a big fan of his, and I wish him well as he continues to focus on Tiger football. But there is a new Grizzlies beat writer, and he's very familiar with Memphis, as he's about to tell you guys. We're excited to welcome him back to Grizzliesdom, uh, Mr. DeMichael Cole, at DeMichael C on Twitter. How are you doing, sir? And congratulations. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, man. Honestly, at this point, uh, I'm just itching. I'm itching to get started. You know, I'm going to take a, a, a week or so, about two weeks off. But but after that, man, we're going to hit the ground running. I'm excited. I got to tell you, looking at your bio on Twitter, and we were talking a little bit before we started recording, you and Parker both make me feel very old um, because you <laughs> were a graduate of uh, 
correct. How about you tell me exactly? I don't want to get it wrong. Where did you graduate from, DeMichael? University of Tennessee. So I there went you to, go. I went to, yep. So you graduated from the University of Tennessee. Parker, you went to Ole Miss, correct? Sure did. Hotty okay, toddy. so we got two SCC guys here, and you both graduated in what year? 19. 19. 2019, you graduated from college. I literally could have taught both of you as a high school teacher. I'm pushing up my glasses as I speak, uh, talking to you youngins um, about the Memphis Grizzlies. Makes me feel old. But, you know, DeMichael, if you would, obviously you are a, a Memphis guy, born and bred. Just a brief overview of your Twitter account. Uh, all the work that you've done, uh, past bylines for Sports Illustrated. You've done work for the Philly Inquirer. Lots of cool things. Just give our listeners, as you kind of get reindoctrinated uh, with Memphis sports in particular, obviously as a Memphian, it never really truly leaves you, but your brief travels and the road that has brought you back to covering the Grizzlies for the commercial appeal. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I just turned just turned 25, man. I, I've been out of college uh, going on three years now. It'll be three years in May, so two and a half years. But, uh, you know, I in college, I pretty much, you know, interned at all the local papers in the area around Knoxville and Knoxville, you know, covering preps, doing whatever I can to get that experience. And I got my big break is when I got my internship my senior year uh, with Sports Journalism Institute. It's called SJI. It's basically the top uh, sports journalism internship for minority students. So it's in my class, it was 12 of us. It's 12 of the best journalists you know, juniors and seniors in college in the country. And, it, and we go to a very competitive boot camp where we're doing deadline writing and, and we're, you know, we're talking with some of the best journalists in the business are coming, you know, um, coming in the room to talk to us and just break down, you know, just the game of, of journalism, what to expect in the business, how to survive in the business and everything in between. So, so once you leave the boot camp with SJI, you get sent out to, you know, an internship and my internship was Sports Illustrated. So that's where the summer of 2019, I went to Sports Illustrated, had a great time there, did some really cool work. And once I left Sports Illustrated, which was towards the end of August, uh, I started towards the end of September at the Philly Enquirer. So the past couple years, two and a half years, I've been at the Philly Enquirer, man, it's been, it's been a blast. Uh, it was, it's, you know, it's, the Philly Enquirer. I mean, it's one of the best places for a kid who's fresh out of college to come to. It, it just can't get too much better than that. And um, there I started off covering colleges. So, you know, you have six Division One colleges in in that area. You have five in the city. And then, of course, Villanova, you know, the college basketball juggernaut. And for me, I focus more on the other basketball schools. So Drexel, St. Joe's, uh, Temple, LaSalle, Pen. I covered a lot of those teams, and then in the last year, I got bumped to full time because I came here initially on a fellowship. Once I got to the Enquirer on my fellowship, you know, I, I did good work, so they said, and I got bumped to full time in June, June of this year, June 2021. So I got bumped to full time, and I got probably one of the coolest roles you can think of: uh, sports culture. I was made the sports culture sports culture, I'm sorry, uh, reporter at the Enquirer. So in that role, uh, I did a lot of cool things, just free, freelancing across all of the sports. I would go to Phillies games, and I would do these cool uh, Negro League 
historical pieces. And then I would go to, you know, Eagles games and, and Sixers. And, and, you know, the focus was intersecting life and sport, doing a lot of good work there. But we also did some fun stuff. I did a lot of sneaker content. I did a lot of fashion content, which, you know, is really big in the NBA, fashion and sneakers and those two things. So I did a lot of those two things. And that's kind of part of what appealed uh, for this new job. I tell you what, you and Parker Fleming are going to get along just fine in terms of the sneaker stuff and the culture stuff. Again, I feel very old having these conversations. Uh, I I like wearing Nikes. I think Nikes look good. <laughs> and then, um, you know, maybe uh, the occasional New Balance if my back hurts too much from walking. You know, there's there's a lot of good cushioning in those New Balance shoes. I'm just Joe, kidding. Joe, but... do you want me to hop in on this conversation here? Yeah, yeah I yeah, think this so... <laughs> might be a good place to kind of get a, to, to get a, a little bit of a rest for me, you know, the old man here. You guys can talk about it, and I believe oh, it's yeah. called Drip, Parker. Is that it's a, it's is, a drip. Is it Drip? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, have... I do not have very much Drip. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this might be a good place for Parker to, 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 to jump in. No, I actually have a uh, – a tweet in the drafts about drip, which is now also one of the new um, analytic metrics out there it's called drip. I don't know. can't remember what it stands for, but that's the thing. But, you know, like this, this team is very unique in that regard. You're going to find very quickly that Dylan Brooks is just out of this world when it comes to post-game interviews and how he wears shades inside and crazy coats, hook beanies and yeah. stuff. Um, Drew Hill at the Daily Memphian uh, wrote a good column on – Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks's fashion. I know I've talked to the league fits guy, and he's very high on Jaron in that regard. Uh, Jaw has his kick deal with um, all the Ky- uh, Kyrie and KDs that he wears. He had a Kobe kick a while back. And also with Jaw, it's really cool. I mean, he has a Nike commercial, so obviously right. soon enough he's got to have a shoe at some point, right? Yeah, it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's It'll be real soon, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah, and then uh, the other night, Thursday night after the OKC game, so like the way they do is they bring in players for post game into the media room, and John Conchar, who we never get, walks in. He wears his Purdue Fort Wayne Mastodon T shirt with a pair of Crocs, and it it just really I never felt more relatable to an NBA player in my life. So <laughs> you're you're gonna have some you're gonna have some fun in that like kind of culture aspect of it. So it's it's a very fun team to cover in that regard. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, and and I mean, that's that's dope because I mean I'm from Memphis, so I know like culturally what appeals, you know, to to mm-hmm. a, a deep part of the fan base from that perspective. And I mean, that's 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 an appealing thing, right? It's a young team; it's one of the, you know one of the youngest teams in the league. So, so that's definitely you know just an appealing part. I mean, because you're gonna have a lot of guys who who you know are into those things. We're talking to DeMichael Cole, the brand new, fully announced just in on Tuesday, beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies for the commercial appeal. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at DeMichael C. Uh, DeMichael, for, since you, uh, I think we talked a little bit about it, I am a teacher and a football coach by trade. When I was in Memphis, goodness gracious, a decade ago now, uh, I was a teacher and football coach at Bolton High School. Shout out to the Wildcats. Uh, of Bolton. Uh, and, you know, Parker was at Collierville. Where did you go to school again, DeMichael? I went to Overton. Overton, Overton. High School. Like, yeah, in East Memphis. Sure. 
So we, we got a good mix here uh, of Memphis. And again, I, I could have taught you two knuckleheads, um, which just blows my mind. and makes me feel even older. Um, but aside from me being closer to the grave than you guys, DeMichael, I, I'm curious, coming back to Memphis from Philly, right? You have this opportunity to cover this team. You're jumping in in the middle of the season. It's a valuable experience because – as I tell folks that are, you know, NBA national folks, you know, Matt Moore at HP Basketball, other people that are friends of the blog and of the podcast that have come on a few times, I like getting their perspective because we get very caught up in the day-to-day operations, the day-to-day coverage, the previews and the recaps and the report cards. I like getting the perspective of people that aren't so deep into it, that have the ability to look at it in the macro view on the outside that aren't in the mud, so to speak, just yet. Obviously, that's going to change for you very soon. But I'm curious, what is your perspective of where this Grizzlies team is right now? Obviously, they're on a heater, 5-0 and without John Morant. Arguably, their most impressive victory of this winning streak came on Monday night when they led for almost the entire game. I think they were tied briefly with the Heat, but they never trailed against Miami. Uh, Miami was not full strength. Bam Adebayo didn't play. Jimmy Butler didn't play the whole game. But again, the Grizzlies didn't have John Morant. They were without Kyle Anderson, without Brandon Clark. It's not like Memphis is at full strength, and they are beating the bricks off of people. I am curious as to whether or not you think this is something that is sustainable. Is this closer to the Grizzlies team that we can expect moving forward? Is this kind of a flash in the pan? We've seen Memphis struggle a lot, especially defensively so far this season, but the last five games, they're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA over that stretch. What do you make of the Memphis Grizzlies, who currently sit at the number four seed in the Western Conference after everything that's transpired already this year? Right, right. Well, I'll start regarding the defense, you know, that you just mentioned it in there on a hot streak. Uh, I feel like early on in the season, you know, it's, it's, too, it's too early, it's too small of of a sample size to say, oh, the defense is falling off from last year because, you know, it's most of the same players. You have a couple, you know, different pieces and things like that. But for the most part, it's the same core group. And so you're starting to get closer to the mean now with more games uh, that they're playing. I believe in terms of, like, uh, defensive rating, like they're closer. They're a little bit higher now um, than they were earlier in the season. So, so uh, you're starting to see them get a little bit closer to the mean. They're still not super high, you know, in that regard. But overall, just in terms of the team aspect, they're on the rise. You know, I think that's uh, just from the national perspective, you know, being in Philly, you know, that would be the general consensus. It's, it's a young team that's probably, you know, a year or two away from from really making those, you know, big moves. But they're a team that people are paying attention to because, they're, they're an exciting team. You have, you know, a player on this team in John Morant that people are going to want to see regardless. As long as you have a player like that, uh, there's national appeal there because people want to see John Morant. And then you have, you know, good stories on this team too. You have really, really good dudes who have really, you know, you have a bunch of young players. I think of a guy like DeAnthony Milton, you know, uh, with the Suns, he was on a really bad Suns team, played sparingly, you know, got some time with them. And he gets traded, you know, for Javon Carter in a trade that probably no one outside of Memphis or Phoenix cared about. And he's developed into a really, you know, critical piece to this team. And you think of players like that, like uh, it's a it's a it's a different young core, because I think 
the Grizzlies are more uh, a deeper young core than than you look at other uh, young cores where you have like Sacramento, who before this season, of course, when now you know Bagley's kind of an afterthought, but before this season, everyone was oh Tyrese Halliburton, Darren, De'Aaron Fox, uh, uh, Marvin Bagley, or you have um, the Pelicans, you know, where everyone says. Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, you know, this they're this star-studded duo. Or in Atlanta, you have Trey Young, Bogdanovich, uh, Cam Reddish, uh, John Collins. Like where you have these 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 young cores, where you see superstar potential and all-star potential around them. Or I mean, if you go back last year to the Suns, you Devin Booker under under 25, 25 now, but Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, like you have all of these young cores where you see star potential. Whereas with the Grizzlies, you see John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and it's like a bunch of guys that just really, really play their roles really well. Like Dylan Brooks, a very, you know, on a national level, I don't think people think of him, you know, in terms of that top tier uh, defensive guard, you know, area. I, I, I watch a little bit more of the Grizzlies than, you know, the average person in Philly. So, so I, I I watch closer up to him, to watching him play, but but you, they don't think of him you know in that regard, or you don't think of you know just the small intangible things that a Kyle Anderson does, or the energy that a Brandon Cart you know brings off the bench. These guys aren't stars, but they all play their roles really well, and it's similar to the Phoenix Suns in a way, and that's kind of the blueprint now, right? Like the Suns last year, the way they jumped up. And you have a lot of teams with these young talent where they're trying to just mix a couple vets in here and there, hoping to make that big jump. And what the Grizzlies have is they have a core similar to the Suns where you have a star like a John Morant to a Devin Booker. And then you have like Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges. Those guys aren't superstars, but they are really, really good role players. They know their roles. You're not going to see them play outside of their roles. And you can say the same for a guy like Brandon Clark. You can say the same for a guy like Xavier Tillman, DeAnthony Melton. Uh, you know, the list goes on. I mean, Tyus Jones off of the bench. You could say the same for that group. So I think that's what you have. It's a young up up and coming team that's probably a piece or two away from really just staying like right now they're fourth in the West. For them to just be there at the end of the season, they're probably a, a big piece away um from from just consistently being that team. Because right now they're super young. So you're gonna have your your ups and downs in that progress. But I think nationally, people are paying more attention solely based on John Morant's start to this season. They're paying attention, but but it's gonna. I feel like it's going to take a little bit more for people to get wide-eyed and say, okay, we're paying attention to the Grizzlies now, not John Morant. To Michael, that's a good segue into what we're going to talk about in the second segment. But before we move on to that, I do want to bring Parker back in briefly since Parker is more up-to-date in terms of being there in person. Like I said, we'll go a little bit easy on you this first time we have you on the show, hopefully the first of many. Uh, Parker, you have seen the team both in person. Obviously, you've watched in film. You do great dives and deep dives for us, uh, watching video clips that you post both on the blog and on Twitter, at Paca underscore Flocka. It's very easy to me, or at least lazy maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. But you say that John Morant is struggling as a defensive player, and I think there's some truth to that. You say that Dylan Brooks is back, and there's some truth to that, and he's their best defensive player, especially on the perimeter. And that's why the defense looks better these last five games is those two things. Is there anything outside of those items that really jumps out at you that says why the Grizzlies are doing so much better defensively? Is it the schedule? Is it 
a combination and a convolutes or a, a convalesc- convalescence. Con- golly, I'm struggling with that word. Is it a combination of all of these things? I am getting tongue twisted and tied trying to figure out how in the world a team that had the worst defense in the NBA all of a sudden over the last week and a half has one of the top two or three. Yeah, it's pretty perplexing. I mean, I'll say for one, it's like they've been playing teams that are pretty shorthanded. And then also, two, defensive numbers are going to get skewed when you hold a team below 80 and beat them by 73 points. I feel like that kind of skews the numbers in a way, too. And everyone's going to point at, you know, Jaws' absence because, you know, Jaws' not a, a renounced defender or anything. And Mr. John Morant, he's never been asked to be one. That is right. not why yeah. he's here. I mean, dating back all the way to Murray State, like he's hasn't been asked to be that. I kind of want to ask, flip it around to you in a sense, because this is kind of my answer, is like how much of it is like, and I, I don't mean to like throw them under the bus, but like Kyle Anderson and Zaire Williams haven't been good defensively. And like I'm looking at the cleaning the glass metrics right now. The Grizzlies give up 119 points per 100 possessions with Zaire Williams on the floor. And 122.4 with Kyle Anderson on the floor, which is very uncharacteristic. I mean, for that is the third and first percentile um, in, in the in this regard. So it's very bad. So like, even replacing the one of those two with a guy like John Conchar or uh, more Brandon Clark or even Xavier Tillman, all three pretty solid defenders, pretty neutral. I would say neutral defenders. And also, too, I think just getting Dylan Brooks back is a huge positive because aside from Dylan Brooks, they don't have a positive wing defender on that team. And when you have Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr., who's emerged as one of the better big men defenders in the league, just in the way that he covers ground and space, defends out on the perimeter, protects the rim, and how he's gotten better at not fouling, like, I think whenever, if you can just get yourself in a game where you can play a lot of Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson minutes, and also, too, getting, I think they're getting Steven Adams in better positions. I, I think that's helping, too. He's not getting targeted in the pick and roll as much, and teams were targeting Jaw and Adams in the pick and roll, and now Adams has been more of a impact on both ends of the floor. So it's tough to really pinpoint one thing, and the lazy thing to do is blame Jaw. But you can kind of give Ja a pass because he provides so much offensively for you that, like, it'd be nitpicky to bring up defense, if that makes sense. I think the biggest thing for Ja Morant, and Matt Hardlicka uh, mentioned this on Twitter, and I agree with him completely. Moving forward, and again, we'll talk more about this in the second segment, um, Ja just needs to be around as many plus defenders as possible. Like, you, you hope that he eventually moves into the net neutral defensive realm he's never going to be Gary Payton or or some sort of player like that and that's totally fine he doesn't need to be uh but if he doesn't if this is what he's going to be defensively you need as many positive defenders like Jaron Dylan those kinds of guys as possible around him and and I think that's a, a good way to move forward with him but I think the answer to your question Parker if we were taking a standardized test it's D it's all of the above I think the schedule guys being hurt that they're playing against they're not getting the best shot of every team every night Jaw not being there is part of it. Uh, I think Dylan Brooks' return, you know, a little bit of everything plays into that. And a little bit of everything will play into what we discuss in the next segment. We're going to bring DeMichael back on here. Excited to ask him this question from our question of the day. When should the Grizzlies make their swing? It was reported 
on Tuesday that the Indiana Pacers are approaching a rebuild, potential moves for various stars on their roster. What should the Grizzlies do? Should they get involved? Is the time to strike coming for the third star for the Memphis Grizzlies? We're going to ask to Michael that and more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Joe Monax. I'm joined by my co-host, Parker Fleming, as always, and our wonderful guest at this time, Mr. DeMichael Cole, at DeMichael C on Twitter. He is the brand spanking new, literally in the last uh, day or so, beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies, again, at DeMichael C. Make sure you're following him if you don't already do so. Excited to have him on the beat, covering the Grizzlies, this franchise, this town, deserves as much media coverage as possible and i'm very excited that demichael is coming back home to memphis to cover these grizzlies demichael like i said we'll get out of here on this the question of the day i'm curious because of the report from shams over at the athletic the idea that indiana might be shopping a karis lavert a miles turner a demonte sabonis what or when, excuse me, would you like Memphis to make their move and trade for the third star that so many people think is on the horizon? Uh, thanks to everybody that voted in the poll. Did you want to see it before the trade deadline? So before February, essentially, at the trade deadline this year, this coming summer, around the draft and free agency, or never, building from within, they think that the third star maybe is Desmond Bain, who's had a pretty solid start to the season uh, the vast majority of folks that voted said this summer they wanted the team to stay together as it is currently, maybe not get involved in the Pacers sweepstakes going on at the moment, and you kind of wait your turn and wait to see, kind of like you talked about in the first segment, you know, a Chris Paul here, a Kawhi Leonard there, you know, that last piece being that veteran to kind of help get Memphis over the top into title contender. What do you think, Michael? Do you think this team is ready to make that kind of move now? Do you think patience should remain a virtue? Because I think everybody agrees that the, the, the clock is ticking. Uh, they have three first-round draft picks. I don't know anybody that thinks they're actually going to make all three of those selections. They obviously have the Golden State Warriors pick in 2024. They have the Lakers pick in this coming draft. Who knows how valuable that's going to be with Los Angeles' implosion of late. Uh, it really is going to be fascinating to watch unfold. Is the time to strike coming, or should we need, to, or do we need to continue to be patient, Michael? Uh, patience, patience. So I think I think patience is 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 critical here. You you don't want to rush uh, into something too fast. And I think the first thing that you have to to look at when you ask this question before you even look at the Grizzlies roster and the makeup and the Grizzlies future is what is even out there. And before you even entertain the thought of of that. And if you look out there this year, uh. It's not. It's it's not as much. It's not as much. Whereas, so you're not a Sabonis fan, then? I mean, I I am, but I'm I'm not a big Sabonis and Jaron Jackson fan. I, I I just you know it's it's possible, it can work, but but it's that I wouldn't want to build around Jaron Jackson, Demontis Sabonis, and John Morant. I think uh, the Grizzlies need another a, a wing scorer. And you know that's that's something that you know 2023 is going to have in a bigger variety than right now. Like just looking right now, you talk about like unrestricted free agents at the end of this season, which are most likely the players that'll be available 
to be traded. If you're talking wings, you have, you know, James Harden has the big player option, you know, where he hasn't signed the extension yet with Brooklyn and he's a max player. So he's probably going to opt out and he's going to get a max contract somewhere. So there's, you know, a potential guard who can, you know, play off of John Morant, can create, play off of, you know, a guy like Desmond Bain who can shoot really well. And obviously, you know, James Harden is known for giving giving shooters really good opportunities. You have a guy like Bradley Beal who has a player option, but he'll probably opt into his. Uh, but even with that being said, if you go to 2023, it's loaded. And the Grizzlies aren't strapped for, for you know, cap space no time soon. John Morant is going to have to get extended, you know, probably uh, next offseason. Once that happens, then you have to really tick the ball forward. Uh, and I think, you know, next year, if if James Hart was to opt in, then you have him as an unrestricted free agent next year. Or if he opts out, then you could go after him this summer. Uh, next year, you have guys like Chris Middleton, Bradley Beal, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, even though I don't, you know, I don't think that'll be a great fit. But, but he, you know, Kyrie Irving, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Fred VanVleet, you have a lot more impactful wings. Whereas I think the key to the Grizzlies is getting that more so than another big. I don't think you can, you can, you can win with two bigs, you know, playing off of each other in that way. But I don't think it's the key anymore. Uh, basketball today has become pretty much guard oriented. Ball, ball dominant guard, guard oriented, and it's it's who can handle the ball late in the game, and and really do things. Even the teams who build around bigs have bigs that are really, really, really good passers, like Nikolai Jokic or uh, Joel Embiid. But outside of that, you have every pretty much dominant team has a guard or a wing who handles the ball really well and can do uh, special things. And a lot of and the best teams have too. You know, last year when Chris Middleton was struggling, uh, the Bucks could give the ball to Drew Holiday, and they'd have, you know, I mean, they'd have Giannis there to rebound. Or with the Suns, you had Chris Paul, or when Chris Paul's having a bad day, you could give it to Devin Booker and put him in, in the pick and roll. So that's the key. Right now, you, you got John Morant, but you need another wing, I think, to to do to take some of that burden off of him, whereas. 10 seconds on the shot clock in the last two minutes. Uh, no team is not expecting John Morant to be the guy with the ball. Whereas uh, with those teams, the, because and I'm mentioning those two teams because they were the two final participants last year, obviously. Uh, Drew, it could be Drew Holiday one possession based on his matchup. It could be Chris Middleton based on his matchup. It could be Devin Booker based on his matchup. Chris Paul based on his matchup. Where with John, you're going to put the best defender on him every time, and he has to go at that matchup usually because that's who the Grizzlies, you know, the Grizzlies want the ball in his hands. So I think having another guy like that, and there just aren't that many options this year. You have a good young core, and you should see what this young core can do, you know, because last year they shocked a lot of people. Now let's see how far they can take it with another year of growth. If they, you know, were to be a 50-win team, now you have a lot to think about. Or if, you know, if they win 45 games and top out at the seventh or eighth seed, then, yeah, you go for that big piece in the summer or early into next season. And I think you you got to get a wing. I think that's the big thing that's missing on the Grizzlies, a wing. Chris Middleton intrigues me. I, I've always liked that, Chris Middleton. Yeah. I think he makes 
a lot of sense, championship pedigree, veteran presence. Uh, you saying James Harden almost made me pass out. I don't know. I, I started seeing spots hearing James Harden's name brought up on the podcast. That'd be pretty cool. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to turn my nose up at a future Hall of Famer. Uh, if he wanted yeah. to come to Memphis, that'd be pretty sweet. But at the same time, um, he, he and KD are probably going to, you know, ha- have a nice, nice uh, end of their career in Brooklyn. But that would be pretty awesome yeah. if it were to happen. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah the options out there. I think sure. you know when you compare it to this year, and you talk about wings, you're swinging for the fences with with Karis Levert, and or you're just hoping that one of these guys like a Brandon Ingram just gets upset with the Pelicans, and he's like, I'm sick of this or something. CJ McCollum in Portland, that or, kind of thing. Exactly. Right. No, I think you're onto something there. That makes sense to me. And, and I think one of the nice things about this, DeMichael, and I'll bring Parker back in on this as well. Parker, one of the good things is, is say Memphis did want to get in on Miles Turner or especially Karis Levert, or maybe even a, uh, oh man, his name escapes me. I was just thinking, TJ Warren. There it is. TJ no. Warren is forgotten. Right, because of his right. injury, he's very injury prone, obviously. But in terms of a wing that can play the four, you know, TJ Warren kind of makes sense in that kind of role as well. Uh, the nice thing about this, Parker, is I don't think you need to give up a ton to get these guys. Like Sabonis, you're probably giving up a good chunk of your nest egg that you've built over the last couple of years in trades and picks. Uh, you know, maybe you can get Miles Turner for J- Stephen Adams in a couple of firsts. Maybe you can get a Karis Levert for a couple of guys and a first round pick. Uh, you know, I, I think that those guys are interesting. And to DeMichael's point, Parker, you're not completely cashing out and taking yourself out of the future sweepstakes for a bigger name like a Bradley Beal, if he were to some reason become available. He seems happier in Washington now, but you can go more big game hunting without losing all of the assets that you've gained, Parker. You know, Joe, I, I really think you read my mind in that regard. Um, I, I, I voted to, to wait till the off season, but I also have an asterisk depending on the market and, you know, Sabonis sounds nice, but I want to quote Keith Parrish of fast break breakfast. He has a lot of Valanciunas to him. Like he's good productive, but he doesn't space the floor. Not a lob threat, not a rim protector. Can't defend in space. He's going to just take up a lot of usage and you're back to square one of, oh, this guy's taking away shots from Jaron Jackson Jr. From Desmond Bain, from John Morant. I don't know if you want that. Like, I would think Miles Turner would be the better option to go for because you don't have to give up Bain, Brooks, Jackson. Um, you could probably make way with maybe not even giving up Melton or Clark. Like, you could do Adams, Anderson, or Culver in two of those first round picks. And at all times in a playoff series, you have Miles Turner or Jaron Jackson defending the paint. And that's terrifying, to be honest. Um, I, I kind of have another name. Uh, I know we're kind of running out of time here, but I'm kind of just wanting to keep an eye on Pascal Siakam. That, that That's like my, I'm very keen right now on making that move for a big interchangeable wing or a four that can handle the ball a little bit and space the floor to fully push Jaron Jackson Jr. to the five because he is ready for it. But also keep yourself in a spot too where like don't give up Bain or Brooks for that guy, because you know, you may run into like a Toronto situation down the road where it's like, okay, you're where we've been a top four team in the Western Conference for the past couple of years. We just can't get to the hump. But then all of a sudden, you there's that one guy that is available. 
You can throw in the chips then, go all in, and that's your move to get over the top. That's how I see it. So Makes a lot of sense to me, Parker. And I do think I, I like your Siakam pool. I think that uh, DeMichael sounds like he's he's comfortable just kind of hanging out and waiting to see. I, I'm This is not going to surprise Parker. DeMichael, you'll learn this about me. I have a thing for oft-injured bigger wings. That That's my thing, whether it's Chandler Parsons or any other name that's gone down the Grizzlies. Uh, I, I like bigger wings that get hurt all the time. So it really shouldn't surprise anybody that's followed this show and my uh, blogging career. TJ Warren is the one that now intrigues yep. me. Let's take a shot. <laughs> we uh, can get him for <laughs> almost free, almost free. And if he's healthy, he's going to do some great things. Of course, the key words there being if he's healthy. DeMichael Cole, thank you so much, buddy, for joining us on short notice. Congratulations to you, sir. Again, at DeMichael C on Twitter. We look forward to reading your work here in the weeks and months and years ahead. Welcome back to Memphis. Welcome to the Grizzlies beat. We'll, we'll certainly have you back on down the road. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Let's make it happen, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Congratulations. Safe travels as you come to Memphis, and we're excited to have you back on down the road, as I said, for Parker, for DeMichael. I am Joe Molinax. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. Until next time, this is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.